0: Hello and welcome to this week's episode from the Veg Grow podcast. I'm your host, my name's Richard and I'm trying to grow my fruit, vegetables and herbs in my allotment and garden. And this podcast is completely supported by you. You can hear more on that at the end of this week's podcast. Now I'm starting this week on Friday the 21st of January 2022 and you'll find me down on the allotment. It's um, pretty dark down here at the moment. It's quarter to six. I've been down here for about three quarters of an hour and the reason for that, this week I've been trying to get down on my way home from work because this weekend and possibly even next weekend I'm not going to have much time to get down the allotment. So I I figured I'm going to start coming down in the evenings and just try and do what I can. Not easy because it is dark and what I've been doing is doing everything under torchlight which is pretty tricky to say the least. So uh, what have I been doing? So so I've been strimming the grass areas. That's not easy to do under torchlight but it needed doing. The grass here is actually growing at quite a rate. I did uh, strim it just before Christmas if I remember correctly last time. Well well, just a few weeks ago anyway and it's already grown and getting a bit long so I strimmed the grass areas just one night. Another time I've been doing a little bit of weeding just trying to pull out some of the weeds and the grass particularly this couch grass that as you know I get growing everywhere on my plot. Uh, the asparagus bed I've actually been bringing down some more seaweed that I collect from our local beach when I'm out walking my dog and I just bring a bag down. I throw that on top of the bed. The great thing with a seaweed on asparagus is that the two work really well together. The salt would kill off any weeds and the asparagus should, in theory, grow much better. It's going to be one of those years that we are going to find out. I have also been bringing down lots of cardboard. Now, as you know, I practice no dig and that involves or my style of no-dig, that involves placing cardboard down on top of the soil surface and then adding lots of compost. And I have found that that does work at suppressing the... Cooch grass because I get so much cardboard I try and save as much as I possibly can it's never enough always need more but in back of my van I've been having plenty of cardboard and I've just brought that down here and thrown it onto the beds where I can and get it ready what I've got to do next and that'll probably be next week is just bring loads of compost that I can just throw down on top of this cardboard and get it going I've got certain areas that actually are going to need some planting up soon I've got some garlic and some onions to go in soon and I need to get those beds ready to take them now talking of needing to get beds ready to take them I've also been looking at the layout of the allotment. I built some new beds over the last couple of years using this thick C16 roofing timber that I got from a reclaim yard. And I built six of these beds on the bottom half of the plot. And they have been fantastic. I like the way they look. I like the way they are um, pretty, very strong in fact. And just should last a lot longer than pallet wood that I've used in the past. But I've spotted there's an area that I could possibly either build a new bed, which is one of a thoughts, or I could actually use it to run one of my experiments this year. I'm looking to test different peat-free composts this year and just see how well things grow in different peat-free composts. And that's probably what this area is going to be used for. It's sort of just at the very bottom of a plot to the side on the way up to the greenhouse. Now just past that I have a cold frame that I built a couple of years ago and I didn't really use this cold frame in all honesty. Because I have things growing at home and hardening off at home, well, by the time they come to the allotment they're ready to go outside. So I think this cold frame is going to be dismantled and the wood used to build other beds as well. Now talking of other beds, on the top half of the allotment, this is the 128A, I need to build another, at least three more beds where my potatoes are going to be growing in this year. The plans I have drawn out and figured out of where everything is going to grow and it's going to be a bit of a busy year, certainly over the next few weeks, getting them all ready to get into the ground. But talking of potatoes, I have been to a garden centre and brought my seed potatoes. Which I've recorded a little piece to let you know what seed potatoes I'm growing this year. Well you're joining me in the car park of a local garden centre, or local to me anyway. And first of all, the reason I'm in the car park, I've just brought my seed potatoes for the year. But I could have taken you inside but because we still have to wear masks when we're inside buildings I figured the audio would just sound a bit mm, bit difficult to hear, a bit muffled. So I, I've brought my seed potatoes and I've came out to the car park and I'm going to go through what I've brought and why I've brought these potatoes. Now first of all I've came to this particular type of garden centre because I know they sell seed potatoes loose And I much prefer that. The reason I prefer that is that you can sort of have a better idea of how many potatoes you want. But I've also found that when I've brought the two kilogram bags, that's given me too many seed potatoes. I like to grow lots of different varieties so I can mix it up and have the best of all worlds. And the two kilo variety, they pretty much take up one bed and use up a lot of space. So I I personally prefer to buy them loose and these are the type that you fill up a pot and you pay per pot and this particular garden centre charges £3.99 a pot or two for £7. I brought six pots. Now the first variety that I got was my rocket variety a first early seed potato that is very very early so best harvested early to enjoy that new potato taste. I got these because we've still got a few potatoes in storage, but just as they run out, these potatoes should come into place. And these are good for boiling or salad potatoes. Next, the Maris Bard. Now, these are another first early variety. They produce a lot of potatoes that are good for baking, good for chipping, and salad and boiling as well. And I like these because of the fact they can produce early chips. What I should say, as I was selecting all these potatoes, I took a pen and paper in with me and I just made a note of each variety into each pot as I went along so I knew what was what. And I also took a photo of the label on the box that they sell them from, just so I can keep a good idea of what they have. And the Maritz Bard, it has a disease resistance of quite low on every single problem that you might get with potatoes. So tuber blight, low resistance. Common scab, low resistance. White eelworm, low resistance. And golden eelworm, low resistance. So it's probably one that's going to need quite a bit of care. Next is the salad seed potato variety, a variety called Charlotte. And I guess this is what I would class as a second early variety. It's classed as a must-have in the garden for an excellent early salad potato, reliable, high-yielding, very attractive, long potato with a really nice creamy (laughs) flavour. I'm reading off the label that is given. Again, suitable for boiling and salad potatoes. Next is a second-early variety called Acoustic, and this one jumped out at me. I've never grown this particular variety before, but on the label it says it's good for boiling, salad, mashed, baking, roast and chips. Basically, everything you can imagine that you can do with a potato. It's got high tuber blight resistance, moderate to common scab, high resistance to white eelworm, but a low resistance to golden eelworm. And the the notes on it says, With exceptional blight-resistant and robust growing properties, Acoustic is organic for organic production. Expect a big crop of blight uniform potatoes with a delicious taste. A great new all-rounder. So I'm looking forward to seeing how that one performs. Maris Piper is the first of the main crop varieties. Now, I grow this every year. It's pretty much the variety that is used in chip shops it's it's a very good one for chips now when it comes to main crops the blight is always going to be a problem and this has a moderate resistance to blight so usually I'll be looking for blight resistant varieties to grow as well but unfortunately they didn't have any here today I'll be keeping my eye out for some in the future then my final variety I got today is King Edward's now this is the good A well-known potato, great for roast potatoes, and I will be growing those. It's in particular for Christmas dinner because I know they are a good roast potato. So these six varieties, what I'm going to do is take these home now, and then I will pop them into their own trays and try and point them or stack them so the eyes, the little nodules on the side of the potatoes are pointing up. And I will then pot them somewhere where they get plenty of light, but cool and dry. I might just mist them every now and then with a bit of water between now and planting time, which is the middle of March, St. Patrick's Day. The thing is with these, I know this is a process called chitting. And I know many people will debate whether chitting is worth it or not. And here's my take on it. The thing is, I bought the sea potatoes now. They're going to start producing a chit whether I like it or not. So I have got to pot them and use that to my advantage. If I leave them to chit somewhere dark, they're gonna produce a long, thin chit, which might damage the potato crop later on. So I might as well use it to my advantage. The only way around it is if I keep them somewhere completely dark, but I don't know if I've got anywhere that I can necessarily do that in. Now, the other side of this argument is that farmers don't chit their potatoes, which is very true. They don't chit their potatoes. It'll cost them too much to do, and they produce good potatoes. So two sides of a debate, but my take is I chit it because they're gonna do it anyway. So that has now got my potatoes bought. I'm looking forward to growing these later on in the year. Please do let me know what potatoes you're growing this year. Right, we're gonna head back to what I've been up to this week. It is Saturday, the 22nd of January 2022 today. I've done some gardening, but not in my own garden today. I'm actually here with my good friend and fellow podcaster, Lee Connolly, a.k.a. Skinny Jean Gardener. Lee, welcome back.
1: Thanks for having me once again. (laughs) Uh, Thank you. You, Generally, whenever I'm on here, I usually say I've not been up to much, but today today we have, we have yeah
0: so let's just explain i've driven up to lee's new house He moved in here last july summer, wasn't it? yeah oh, summer summer <laughs> popped up to see him but he he mentioned to me he had some tree stumps that he wanted to remove so i said we'll get on and remove those today and we did it didn't we uh, yeah
1: yeah i didn't think I'd, I'd ever be able to do them and I've got to say, without you, Suggs, they would still be there.
0: Yeah. So there was seven stumps, and they were oh, pine trees, weren't they, or conifers? Conifers. They were pretty thick, and especially the harder ones. They took a lot of work. We spent two hours digging them out. They've been killed off in the past. Somebody pulled weed killer on them, haven't we, they think. I don't know what was poured
1: into them, but it definitely did the job about
0: six years ago, I
1: think. So. Yeah they've had time to like rot down a little
0: bit yeah i had time to rot down now this goes against my normal way of removing tree stumps which is put a compost bin over it and let it rot away but i think
1: you're always more eco-friendly for sure
0: my way more eco-friendly but it does take a while yeah uh, but, but the amount that you had along there and if you need to where well, you want to get a shed in that area so it, they had to come out so what we had to do was dig out the roots had a, a, a breaking bar, I think it's called. Yeah,
1: quite a long metal bar, steel bar.
0: Steel bar that we used to try and pry it out. And some ratchet straps to pull them out as well. Yes. Yeah. It was a, it,
1: a mixture of techniques.
0: Mix, mixture of techniques, brute force, and lots of swearing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But we got them out. We got all seven of them out.
1: I'm happy, man. I'm re- I mean, I've got a lot of trunks. So I don't know what I'm going to do with yet, but I'm... Exceptionally happy to be turning my garden into something. It feels like progress. Yeah. Just by getting rid of them. They felt like you know when you've got like something on your shoulders? Yeah. Not a not a log, but like well, something like yourself. hanging over yeah. Yeah. Well, that's how it felt. Yeah. Didn't feel like could progress the garden with them
0: sitting there. Yeah, sure, sure. So Lee, uh I can't remember when you were last on the podcast.
1: About a week ago probably.
0: <laughs> What's been happening? with your school success plan and and things in skinny garden world oh
1: yeah um school gun gun success plan is going well that's out there now Uh, and we're getting um more organizations on board actually most recently um barley and go landscape have um have got involved and we're doing a campaign with them to get into more schools so that's really exciting um more shows this year, which is quite cool with Skene Gardener Gardner. Uh, but the biggest thing for me, as you always know, is the school stuff. is uh, That's the most exciting thing for me. So, so yeah, school and success plan is um, is a go. And uh, yeah, thirty thousand schools we want to get into by twenty twenty five. And uh, yeah, I'm just re- I'm just impressed with myself. Really, <laughs> <laughs> Fair big <enough>. head. <laughs> Fair You've
0: also recently done some recording. are You allowed to talk about that?
1: What did I do? Oh. oh. I totally forgot. Oh my God, yeah. Oh yeah, I'm just a bit of a film with the BBC, mate. Yeah, so I'm doing um, BBC Teach, which is the educational side of uh, BBC. So we're going to primary schools and, and we're learning uh, about how plants grow and uh, it's exciting. Like, I really, I really love it. So we're going to... Uh, that's coming out in Feb, uh, the filming that I did for the BBC. And, uh, yeah, it's good to be doing the educational side. It works really well with what I'm doing at the moment with schools. And it's just nice to be be back on the tally, mate. Mm. Catch out on the 3rd of Feb.
0: 3rd of Feb. Fantastic, fantastic. Well, thank you very much for joining I Actually, I should probably...
1: Sorry to interrupt you, sorry? but I should probably be charging a fee now that I come on this podcast.
0: You probably should, but then I should charge sure. you a fee for lifting out your uh, tree stumps. Good point. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, as always, Lee, it's been lovely seeing you. You too. Um, I have recorded a little bit about crop rotation following a question from a listener that I want to play in now. This week in the VegGrow Podcast Facebook group I've received a question from Debbie who's asking about crop rotation. She's been researching the subject because she's looking at doing it more in her own plot. But the trouble is there's so much conflicting advice and conflicting information out there that she doesn't know where to begin. And I know what you mean by the conflicting advice and conflicting information because it is pretty tricky to understand. And some gardeners say crop rotation is not necessary if you think about it in a greenhouse it's not so easy to practice crop rotation yet how many of us suffer from year on year build up of pests and diseases in a greenhouse but other gardeners will swear by crop rotation. And the idea being that, of course, if let's say potatoes are grown in the same place every year, there's a good chance that the eelworm population in that area will build up and build up and build up and become worse, that you will end up with no potatoes. And I think that also does make a lot of sense. But also legumes add nitrogen to the soil. So you might want to incorporate legumes into your crop rotation cycle, say, to put nitrogen in the soil. And then the following year have brassicas that can use that nitrogen to really pull on some good green leaf. That's another idea behind this whole method of crop rotation. Crop rotation is generally found a lot in farming where I think its roots are found. But in small gardens it's not so easy and while my home plot is a reasonable size it's not necessarily big enough that I can practice this crop rotation very easy. So what I try and do in my own home garden is just make sure that I don't grow the same crops in the same bed year on year. Now for example last year I had one bed that was my Christmas dinner bed. That bed is going to be nick this year for something else uh, and i'm going to try and make sure that if i grow onions in that bed which i don't think i will do but for example that they're not in the same place that the onions were growing last year and that's the thing just to try and make sure you're not growing the same crops in the same place as they were last year on the allotment however when I first took on my allotment, I built six beds at, uh, originally, and these six beds were used for my overwintering garlic, my overwintering onions, my overwintering shallots, my overwintering broad beans, and then sweet corn and brassicas the following year. and. The reason for that is just because of the time of year that I was building and taking on this allotment. But I've stuck with those six things in those six beds, and I've just moved them on. So the last thing I said was the brassicas. Well, that last bed, the next year, would be where the sweetcorn grew. And the brassicas then went to the garlic was growing. I've adopted that rotation all the way through that I've actually now know I've been on that plot for six years because we're back at where I began. The trouble with that system is the garlic, the onions and the shallots are all from the same family. They're all from the onion family and therefore they could lead to problems with that build up of pests and diseases. So what I'm looking at now is as I have taken on the top half of the plot the new half which I have had for a few years now but I'm just starting to figure out how I want it. I'm building new beds and I'm going to be rotating my crops right throughout the entire area of the allotment a lot more regularly. There's five families that we're going to break down to figure out crop rotation. Brassicas which would be your cabbages your cauliflowers, legumes, peas, broad beans, beans, uh, onions, onion, garlic, shallots and leeks, potato family, potatoes and tomatoes, and then roots, so carrots, parsnips, celeriac. In the ideal world, we would have all five families in different beds and just move them on. In reality, that's probably not so easy. So if we have a free bed system like I have at home, in year one, I would have in bed one, potatoes. In bed two, legumes onions and roots because they can they don't generally take up a huge amount of space and in in the third bed brassicas and then i would just move those on now if i had a bit more room for four year rotation i would have in bed one legumes in bed two brassicas in bed three potatoes and in bed four onions and roots and then like i said just now that would move around the following years which would mean in the second year, that bed one would be the brassicas, which was where the legumes was last year. So they're, they're getting that nitrogen hit. Now, of course, the more beds you have, the easier this becomes. But what I want to say is just try and think about it that you're not growing the same crop in the same place all the time. And if you can try and get your legumes before your brassicas, it's going to help them boot in the following year. Another thing we could try is when it comes to first early potatoes, generally speaking, first early potatoes are in the ground 10 to 12 weeks. So by the time they come out, that bed is still got plenty of growth in it, plenty of the year to grow some more crops. So you could put your leeks in there and that means a member of the onion family is then going into a bed that had potatoes. Just some quick thinking ideas I have on how to think about crop rotation. But like I said time and time again, just think about it that you're not trying to grow the same crop in the same place each year. It is Sunday the 23rd of January 2020 today. I'm at home and I'm in my potting shed and I've been sowing quite a few seeds now after the work i did yesterday with lee ripping out those what were seven tree trunks ranging about three foot tall and between 30 to 60 centimeters across so we're pretty big to get out but we done it and uh because of that i'm feeling a little bit sore today especially around the arms i don't i don't often work that hard anymore doing things like that but uh it was nice to get it done, nice to see Lee, but because of that I decided to take it a little bit easier in what I do today. So I came out to the podding shed and I've been sowing quite a selection of seeds. So I've sown a few more aubergines. Now I sowed some aubergines last week and I just want to try a few more. So we, last week was the black beauty and this week I've added in some other varieties. Little fingers and a white Uh, aubergine so looking forward to seeing how that is of course some of our listeners from outside uk may know aubergines as eggplants just for clarification i've also sown some more chili seeds i do like my chilies and i've grown quite a few chilies so today i've sown some new mix twilight and some jalapeno seeds some of my favorite i've got to say i've also sown some sweet pepper Uh, California Wonder and Big Bell are the two varieties I've sown of those. Again, sweet peppers I find need a long growing period, so I'm looking forward to getting those. And they are all going to go into my heated propagators. I've also been sowing some celery. A golden blanched is the variety. This blanches itself. Celery is a moisture-loving plant, so... And it's a bit of a difficult plant to grow, I've got to say, but I'm looking forward to trying it again this year. I tried last year, didn't work quite as well, but we'll try again this year. The celeriac. Now, celeriac is a bit of a funny one. I'm not keen on the celeriac flavour sometimes, but I've I've grown it a few years running now and I always like to see just how it does. I've also sown some summer cabbages and cauliflowers. just because I think they are staples and they are worth growing every year and you know we can sow those now and they'll be ready in the middle of summer six months time it roughly takes for cabbages and cauliflowers to grow and again something I think oh, they are they're staples in the kitchen they're used in so many good dishes and so many good meals much like the potatoes we spoke of earlier now That is the end of the podcast this week. I hope you have enjoyed it. If you have, then perhaps you would consider becoming one of my members of the Supporters Club. Now, the Supporters Club, I charge £5 a month. And for that, each month, you get a collection of seeds sent to your house with a newsletter. It arrives on your doorstep and they can be sown that month. So you haven't got them hanging around for ages waiting to be sown. I also send out extra podcasts each week, which are very much behind the scenes, Um, but we're building on that and going to add more features as we go. Now, if you don't want to do that, then perhaps you'll consider leaving a review on your podcast app. That goes a long way actually to making myself known and seen and more people coming along. It does really help and, and boosts up the charts and things like that. So a really good review would be fantastic. You can find me on social media and give us a like and all that as well, which is always good to see you. And I often have conversation with people on that, including in the VegGrow podcast Facebook group, where there's a, a, a selection of like-minded gardeners who all chat about gardening. If you want to get in touch, you can email me, richard at the uk. or you can visit the uk. You can leave a comment on the bottom of a blog or leave us a voicemail, which is also really useful. So that is the housekeeping taken up for this week. So thank you so much for listening. We will be back again next time. So until then, please take care.